everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It's Tuesday night, 6 p.m. You know what time it is. It's time for Me Powered with Rhonda. We are live on air on JQLM radio and all over on all the podcast platforms. I've got a great series starting tonight called the King Series. And boy, this first gentleman, this first king that I have to kick it off is amazing. I cannot wait for you guys to meet him. But before we get started, if this is your first time tuning in, we want to let you know how you can go ahead and tune in on all the different ways you can connect with us. So Lady J, would you tell them how they can tune in? If this is your first time tuning into the show or to JQLM Radio and you would like to share with your family, friends, and followers on all the different ways that they can tune in, be sure to tell them to download the JQLM Radio app on their Apple or Android devices. You can also listen live to JQLM Radio 24-7, 365 via Amazon Alexa, TuneIn app, the Streaming Simple Radio app, and a host of other platforms of which you can find located on our website where you can also listen live at egoentertainmentnet.com. Also, don't forget to follow, like, and share us. We do follow back. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JQLM Radio. You can also connect with Ego Entertainment Network at EgoEntNet. That's E-G-O-E-N-T-N-E-T on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter also. Also, connect with us on LinkedIn at Ego Entertainment Network. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and share our YouTube channel, Ego TV Network at youtube.com forward slash ego tv network all right and you can follow me as well on all of my platforms uh you can follow me on facebook at me powered with Rhonda. you can also follow me on instagram me dot powered with Rhonda, and on our new website which is still under construction but it's coming soon y'all at mepowered.co that will be available soon uh, if you want to be a guest on the show send me an email to me powered with Rhonda at gmail.com and my personal Instagram, my personal webpage is, is up here too, Rhonda Thompson or Rhonda T and ATL. So those are all the ways you can uh, follow us and to find us on all the podcasting platforms like iHeart and all that. Just search for Me Powered with Rhonda and you'll be able to listen to us live on all the major podcasting platforms. All right, so we are ready to begin our King series and I'm so excited. Um, this this uh, man is from Indianapolis as well, and I just met him. I want to go ahead and bring him on. His name is Lloyd Garrison. So welcome to the show, Lloyd. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Rhonda. I really oh, appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I titled this series, I'm starting a King series because I've got did all the women last month because of International Women's History Month. But, you know, I had Judge West last week and you're kicking off, um, you know, the, the remainder of this month. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to call it King series. So welcome, King, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, now I got it. Before we start, I got to go ahead and say thank you because I would not know you if it was not for my very good friend Jarrett Birch, and uh, he's the one that told me, "Hey Rhonda, I got this guy that I'm telling you when I listen to him." Most people don't keep my attention, but he kept my attention through the entire 
broadcast. And so that piqued my interest. And then I, and he forwarded it to me. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I need to get to know you. So, um, and have you on the show. So thank you, Jared. And, um, and just found out before we started, you're in Indianapolis too with Lady J. So you're right there. Yes, I am. This is true. All right, I'm going to need you to speak up, to talk, so loosen up. Come on. Come on. Don't give me these one word answers. We're going to have a conversation, get to know each other. You don't got to be on your best behavior. There's no rules, no filter. Just shit. Come on. I need you to loosen up, bro. <laughs> oh, you're, fine. you're good. Yeah, I'm from uh, Indianapolis. So I moved here in uh, 2012. Okay. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. So my hometown oh, nice. is Ohio. And okay. so I started working with teens way back then when I was 19. And okay. I haven't stopped. It's just been a passion awesome. of mine. So I brought that here to Indianapolis. And that's kind of what I do. It's just kind of second nature. That's wonderful. And I, I know our very first conversation uh, with you and I, it was great because I found out you are a, um, a poet. You're a spoken word artist. You're a motivational speaker. Uh, you're an author. So you've got a lot of things. You have a real heart for teens. And you shared some of your poetry with me. And man, it just blew me away. And so... Um, we have a lot to cover tonight and uh, I want people to get to know a little bit about you, you know, and, and what prompted you to, to go into these different avenues and stuff. So before we get started in the direction, what would you consider yourself first and foremost? Are you a poet? Are you spoken word? Are you motivational speak? What, like, what would you consider yourself first and foremost? I would say first and foremost, I am a hybrid of both of those two schools of thought. When it comes to poetry, when it comes to spoken word, I'm just really a motivational person. I think that's what it is. When you see me, I mean, wherever it is you see me, I'm a person that's going to provide cheer, that's going to say hello, even if I don't know you. I don't. I have not met a stranger yet. And so for me, I don't type myself as a poet, as a motivational speaker. Okay. I type myself as all the above. Whatever it needs to be for that particular moment, that's what I am. Okay, awesome. Um, and I know when you and I spoke, um, like I, I said to you then, uh, it was like I knew you my whole life. You know, we just we just flowed. We were joking, and you know, just it was just it was a great conversation. And uh, and we got pretty serious and deep when we started talking about your poetry and what's behind all that, uh, which just blew me away. Let me just tell you, um, it's an honor to have you here on this platform. And I'm so glad that so many people are going to get a chance to hear you. So I would like to start. I like, I like, to, I like kind of like a shock value. I would like to just start right off the bat. Give us something that you've written, because I know you've got a couple of things prepared and stuff. So what would you like to start with one of your pieces of work? So I want to start with my shoes are heavy. And this is a poem that I wrote right in the height of the pandemic. And I was thinking about the probation teenagers that I deal with, mm -hmm. all the teens that I deal with now currently um, as a director of juvenile justice services, they're on probation. And so a lot of what I was writing was thinking about their, their experiences, um, what they go through. They've come to talk to me in my office. And so I kind of get a, a little bit of a chance to see kind of what they deal with and what they experience from their perspective. And this is me talking about some of their things that they're dealing with. And this is called My Shoes Are Heavy. I wish more adults had a heart that includes enough blood to show someone else's kids some love. Because right now, that's all I need. And even though I know you would never guess my story just by looking at me, 
if I gave you a million tries. I need someone who tries to understand me. I mean, how would you feel if you were me? Have you ever wondered where your next pair of shoes will come from? Have you ever experienced your parents walking out of your life in the middle of the night? Have you ever thought about where you would sleep at night? I have. And I still, I have nightmares about all those things. I guess that's what my therapist meant by trauma. Well, the truth is, I have enough trauma for two people. Did you know that I've been missing for over 24 hours? It's not too late for someone that sent out an Amber Alert, but someone not wearing a badge or riding around in an unmarked car, they should already know where I am. But why does it feel like I'm the problem? All I know is my shoes are heavy. My laces are tight. Something just isn't right. My days and nights, they're spent feeling unappreciated, undervalued, and set apart from my peers. Most of them haven't earned the right for someone to buy them a PlayStation 4, while kids like me were still broke and poor. Trade places with me. I'm so tired of meeting new people who keep barking out instructions at me like I'm a dog. But the truth is, I would give anything to be someone's pet. At least I would have a consistent roof over my head. I'm not a bad kid. I just need some seasoning and a reason not to run away and hide my pain. Most of the adults that I've known, they've seen more interesting in shooting dice than being nice to a kid like me. All I'm asking for is a hamburger and a soda every now and then. Is that too much to ask? Even though my school record, it says D's and F's, my grades are the least of my concerns. My life is a pass-fail course. You either learn how to survive or you know what? Unfortunately, you die in the streets. And who will care if I die in the streets or a park for that matter? There is no premium on a kid's life anymore. I guess that's why some, some teens that they say are headed for another episode of the first 48. I know there are millions of kids out there just like me. But do I make the cut, coach? Do I? I'm sure you can find some time for me to play, can't you? You got cable. You got cars. You got houses. I don't even have an internet connection, a computer, a tablet, or a TV, or even a bed that I can call my own. But don't feel sorry for me. No blood relation. He let me hold those J's that you see on my feet. I just don't want people to think that I'm poor, but I really am. But when you're used to being sent to different group homes, treatment facilities, and foster homes, as much as I am, your heart gets numb and you get cold. But don't feel sorry for me. I'm gradually, I'm taking steps to turn my life around. Things won't always be this way. Don't think for a second that I'm asking you or anyone else for a handout. All I want is a hand up while I try my new pair of shoes. I just need someone who cares about me, someone who will do more than just stare at me and watch me skip school, and someone who takes the time out of their busy day to see the truth about me. It's my heavy shoes that are really what's weighing me down. It's my shoes. Wow. 
Wow, I feel like we, we need to go like this. <laughs> um, wow, that's powerful. Thank you for that. Um, I could see everything that you were saying when you were reading that. Um, that hit a personal note with me because there was a time I lost all my kids to foster care and um, they all got separated and put into group homes. And some of those things that you described, my own kids have been through, you know, and um, God, you're going to get me emotional. Um, that really hit home with me. That was powerful. That was powerful because it's written from the kid's perspective. Thank you for that. No problem. Thank you. And so you're a director of juvenile facility. Um, nothing happens that's not supposed to. Last week, my guest was judge over juvenile court. See, I didn't know. I'm just finding out that part of you. That you're the direct. What is your title? Director of juvenile. Uh, Director of juvenile justice services. Wow. So see, God don't make no mistakes because we got boom, boom right next to each other. It's reinforcing the conversation we started last week. Um, so. How did you get into to your position? What is it exactly that you do? Um, you know, and, and what, what age group kids do you deal with? Great question. The, the crazy thing about it, Rhonda, is the fact that I really didn't even go into this position to get this particular position. I was thinking I was going into a mentor position with a different organization. Um, they actually told me that there was a director of juvenile position that was available. They wanted to interview for me for that. Because they saw my resume and they said, wow, you shouldn't be interviewing for a mentor position. You should go into this juvenile justice services position. And so I didn't know anything about it. And so I really lacked the uh, juvenile justice piece. But the passion for kids was there. And, and the experience, administrative experience was there. I worked for the state of Indiana before previously. And so I've had a lot of experience working with overseeing programs for kids. And so they saw that and they said, we got to grab a hold of that. Yeah. So you'll make up the juvenile justice piece, which I did. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So I got to ask the question. So then to have that much passion for those kids, what's your experience coming up? What's your story? How did you get geared towards that? Well, honestly, a lot of things that I saw, I really was kind of on the outside. I mean, I kind of had a pretty... I uh, went to three different high schools. I mean, so I did struggle. I mean, I'm not immune to the struggle. The struggle is real. Um, but a lot of things that some of the kids that I wrote about, I didn't actually go through those things. Um, but for me, my story was all about kind of overcoming a lot of things. Um, I had people that were in my corner that blocked me from going that direction. Um, they said, no, you stay over there. Um, and, you know, we know you have a future. And we don't want you involved with some of these things that we're involved in. So if that was cousins... If that was brothers, if that was other people that are involved in drugs, I went a different direction because I saw what they were doing. So I said, no, I don't want that life for myself. Um, I know I know what it leads to. I know what the consequences lead to. And I don't want my name associated with those things. And once they knew that, when I took that hard stance, it's like they blocked me. Mm -hmm. Well, they blocked you in a good way. They protected you. They they, you know, kept you. Um, I don't want to I don't want to say the word sheltered, but they they kept the outside from getting in to you and because they saw something in you and knew that you had a gift that was worth protecting 
so that you could get to the position that you are right now and be the voice for so many. So I'm so glad that you had those people in your life. <clears throat> and I'm so glad too, um, you know, that with, uh, with everything that's going on, I always try to bring onto the show people that are making a positive impact that you wouldn't otherwise hear about, you know, and that, that I, I will not get into like all the ratings and the, what's the topic and uh, that everybody talks about if it's negative, because it's like, there's so much shined on negativity already. And it's like, no, I'm going to bring forth people. That's why I call this King series, because you are leading a nation and you, you're, I mean, you're, I mean, you as just being yourself, I mean, you're already a King just because you're male and, you know, so you've, and you're the head you are, and you have an influence that, nobody else has. So I'm featuring, you know, men, kings that are, are doing something in their communities or in their worlds to make a difference and create the pathway for others. So, wow, what a, what an amazing way to express what you feel. Um, how do your kids feel about your, your poetry? Do, um, do they like it? Do you read that to them as well? Are they aware yeah. of it? I do. I do. I read it to them frequently. So I have a group of kids. Um, it's a project life program that we have for all probation teenagers. Okay. I read to them. Um, it's every other month. And um, we kind of have it set up where we have a collaboration between some of the IMPD. So we'll have mm -hmm. officers come in, talk to the kids. Um, we'll have Eskenazi staff come in, do a workshop. You know, how to stop the bleed, things of that nature, things that they would normally experience. They, they would probably experience, but never have a chance to actually have a workshop. Um, so I do. I read. One of my poems, it's actually one of the poems I'll read later, mm -hmm. um, but I'll read that particular poem to them. And it, it seems like it resonates with some of them. Some of them, they don't understand necessarily the spoken word just yet, mm -hmm. but the ones that do get a hold of it, they kind of see this. This is real talk. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so how long have you been expressing yourself through poetry or spoken word? Like, when did you realize that you had that gift of expression? Great question. I think uh, the pandemic, as soon as it started, it gave me a lot of chance to think about some of the things. I already had the passion for kids and, and that started a long time ago, like I told you before. So that's always been inside of me. But I think what ignited a fire inside of me with, with the words was just kind of going to an open mic night one time. And then I went a couple of times, went back to back weeks. And then I started to see the reaction that I was getting. And I said, wow, people are really tuning in to me. They're really excited about when I'm there. They notice when I'm not. And so I said, OK, let me let me write this thing, write some things down. And I started to come up with poems every week. And so then that turned into kind of a book, putting a book together. And so I came out with a book in September. So I had some of my thoughts now. And so those things just kind of came together. And now it's, it's more so it's a second nature thing, just like with the kids. I can't not work with kids and I can't not write poetry. No matter what I'm doing, I'm always thinking about inspiring, motivating people and pushing people to the next level. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, writing and speaking is such a great, means of expression. And it's a great way to get your feelings out. <clears throat> and a lot of clients that I work with and kids and like even my own kids, I'll tell them whether you write, whether you speak, whether you sing, whether you, act, however you need to get it out, get it out. And, you know, the word is powerful. Words are very, very powerful because <clears throat> they carry with them influence, you know, and you have the ability to influence and to change an entire nation just by what you say. And words live on long after the person, you know. So I have a feeling you you are going to be one of those um, legends in the making. 
so to say, because your words are definitely going to outlast you because it's a timeless message that, you know, will always be relevant to kids that are coming through foster care, um, that are in the juvenile system, that have the backgrounds that you're speaking of. That's something that's unfortunately always going to be present. So you're always going to have a voice. So that's, that's incredible. Now, who were some of your influences that got you to writing? I know you said it started in the pandemic. Like, did you, you went to the open mic night, but did you study or did it just hit you? Or was there somebody that influenced you? Um, I think it really wasn't, there really wasn't, I, I think just, of course, looking at people like Martin Luther King and, mm-hmm. and other people that have done amazing things in, in, in the, in the past and, you know, them kind of motivating me and kind of guiding me in, in the direction that I wanted to go. But writing has always been, it's kind of like working with teams. It's something that's always been a part of me. And I remember back when I was, um, I was probably about 16 and, um, no, 17 when the uh, English teacher at the time, she mentioned, she said, you have a really good gift for writing. And I didn't really understand it because I didn't know what I wanted to go into when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, going to college. But she says, you have a really good gift. So every from, from that moment, I just continue to keep writing, keep writing, keep writing my story. And so I think after that, I went to college and I majored in English. And so that kind of gave birth to me kind of writing more, reading more, and trying to find out what are those reasons why I want to continue to keep writing even after college. And so those reasons were spoken word and motivating people. And so I kind of put those two together, just working with teens and writing and motivating people. And so that's why I kept writing. That's why I keep writing now to this day. That's wonderful. Um, I know we got to take a break, but when we come back, um, I want to talk about your book. And I know you've got it ready um, to just show and stuff. And uh, and we'll get more into um, what you're doing and the impact that you're making. So we will be right back after these messages. Did you know JQLM Radio provides media services like voiceovers, radio advertising, video flyers, and other audio and video services? Contact JQLM Radio today for your brand promotional needs at 317-886-0296 or email jqlmradio at gmail.com. JQLM Radio, real voices, raw entertainment, and relevant topics. Track what you did by CXNST on soundcloud.com slash official low pass music promoted by freestockmusic.com Hey, it's your girl, Lady J, and this is a special public service announcement. The Gallery Event Center of Indianapolis, Indiana is now an official partner. If you are a client of mine and you are in need of a venue to book your next event, then book with the Gallery Event Center today who offers all-inclusive packages at extremely affordable prices. But wait, there's more. You are able to book custom all-inclusive packages that have been tailored exclusively for Lady J's clients. And yes, that includes the Ego Entertainment Network clients too. Connect with me today at LadyJ.co to receive your promo code and visit the Gallery Event Center located at 5852 East 82nd Street or call 317-534-6399 and visit their website at thegalleryeventcenter.com. This has been a special public service announcement by Lady J. Love y'all. Deuces. 
If you're tired of hearing the same music and content every 5, 10, or 15 minutes on air, then check out JQLM Radio for the realest, rawest, and most relevant variety of music, talk shows, and more. Start your days with a little bit of gospel and gospel rap from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Never known you to fail. You deliver me. Cause all I see to do is. Huh? Coming to break it down with that wiggity wiggity style. Man, we really be living it out. Don't miss it. Then get into some hot RB. Some hip hop. A little bit of pop. And some Neo Soul for the rest of the day. JQLM Radio, real, raw, and relevant. All right, we are back. And I also want to give a um, uh, shout out to my sponsor as well, Robert Delitis. He is known as the ERP man. He is the co-author of Kill the Craving, which is uh, a breakthrough in ERP therapy because he founded ERP therapy for substance abuse. And he's available for group trainings, um, corporate trainings as well, and uh, anything having to do with any kind of substance abuse or addiction-related component he can help you with. So join him on ERPtherapy.com. All right. So we are back speaking to... um, Lloyd Garrison, and uh, he's been sharing what he does and how he got into his poetry and uh, the kids that he works with and everything. And he's he's an author as well. So you wrote a book. Rhonda? You oh, I'm, I've been on mute this whole time. Oh, my God. Okay. No, so you were actually on at first and then you muted yourself. Oh, okay. And then I muted by accident. Okay. I just noticed that. All right. So I'm sorry. Um, okay. So, Lloyd, um, I was asking you to go ahead and uh, share your book with us. Yeah, sure. So, my book, um, A Mile in My Shoes. So, I started writing during the pandemic, of course. And um, I came up with probably about maybe 10 or 15 poems. And then by the, by the before I knew it, it was right around 25 to 30. So I put them all in the book and it's called A Mile in My Shoes. And it's really a collection of poems that are designed to motivate, inspire um, and encourage people. And this is from all walks of life. I mean, this is the teens that I work with. Each chapter, it kind of builds off each other. So if it doesn't have a chapter about so University of Adversity, that's the first poem that I read you was My Shoes Are Heavy. That's from that particular chapter. It all builds on each other. So it's like how things started out in your life. I want you to see exactly kind of the the experiences of other people and kind of relate it either to yourself. And if you haven't experienced that, you can kind of see from their shoes what they may have experienced or what they may be thinking. Um, and so each chapter is like that. It just has a collection of poems. 
it's 21 motivational poems that are, that are meant to inspire people, motivate people. I, I'm, you know, my whole goal is not to just, um, not to just positively influence you, it's to change your life. And that's kind of what this book is about. It's about changing lives through the power of the spoken word. And it's a mile, not in my shoes, that's what it's called, but it's a mile in your shoes. Because I'm thinking about it from your perspective. That's wonderful. Now, how do people get your book um, if they're not in Indianapolis? How do they order it? Great question. So you can go to, uh, so I have a website. It's called Hidden Gems um, by LG.com. That's my initials, LG. So it's www.hiddengems, H-I-D-D-E-N, gems, like the jewel, jewelry, gems um, by LG.com. You can go on there. You can order a copy of my book if you like to. Um, or if you just want to chat with me, you can do that way too. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. So any way that I, people can get a hold of me, there's no problem. But yeah, that's the way to purchase my book. Okay, wonderful. Um, and are you available for like bookings or keynote speaking and different things like that, workshops? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm definitely available for those things. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I want to, I know our time is going to fly right through, um, but before we get to your next poem, I want to ask you a question, working with the kids that you work with. Um, I, this is going to be a two-part question. What do you see most prevalent or is the most pressing problem with the group of kids that you work with today? Great question, Rhonda. I think a lot of it has to do with decision-making. And it's not because of the decisions that I would make in my life. Because when I talk, when I talked about earlier about my upbringing, about how I'm not immune to the struggle, it's like their struggle was totally different from the struggle that I had. Mm -hmm. And so some of the people that maybe they I had in my life, I was fortunate enough to have in my life that said, hey, no, we're not going to have you going over here because we see we see that you're creating a different path for yourself and we want to see you over here. They may not have those same people. Right. And so when I come across them, it's their environment is different. Their influence is different. Some of their decisions are different because when they're in the moment, it's all real time. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to capture them to a point where you can say, hey, think about your decisions. You got to move a little different. So you got to kind of talk their language. Mm -hmm. So I think the most pressing problem for them is just trying to get their decision making on point. So when they are faced with the situation, whether it's a fight or whether it's a, they're in a car, a stolen car, whatever the case may be, that they make a better move. They say, you know what, I'm not going to go that direction because this person told me something that, yeah. or, or that person told me something. I I was fortunate enough to have those people. I'm not sure they have those people. That's why I try to be one of those people for them. Yeah. And, and you're so right. Um, the ability to make good quality decisions in the midst of chaos, that is something I've got classes after classes full of adults that don't know how to do that, let alone kids. And, you know, you're right. The the kids today um, are not seeing, we don't see, we didn't come up the same way that they're coming up because I've had my kids, even when they were growing up, you know, when we grew up, if you get into a fight, everybody leaves you alone. They let you fight. It's just fists. That's it. You don't got to worry about guns. You don't got to worry about blades. Um, now it's like, they will keep the people away that will help break it up. And they'll be putting it on, you know, it'll be on Instagram. They'll be, you know, streaming live and stuff rather than helping and edging it on and stuff. And the kids today are faced with a lot more difficult things at a lot earlier ages than we were, you know. And so and if you've got parents that are not making the greatest decisions, it's very, very difficult to understand how and why do you make a great decision? Because 
you may not have been taught that you may not have been given those coping skills or, you know, you may not realize that you got a challenge that you're facing. You have a choice you got to make and then you got consequences that you got to deal with. You know, not everybody gets that training. And that's the that's the big thing about it, Rhonda. And I think that, you know, when I look at it now, so the teenagers that I dealt with previously when I was younger and so when I first started, got started working with teens, there's a whole different other demographic in terms of what they deal with. And so now the teens that I deal with now, I wasn't scared to take that challenge because these are probation teenagers. And so these are kids that have gun charges. These are kids that get in stolen cars. These are kids that are, quote unquote, the worst of the worst from the outside world. But then when you talk to them in the office and you're like, you're just like there's other kids that I deal mm -hmm. with. You just have a different set of circumstances that you deal with. You're, yep. you're living in a different environment. So what can I do? And, and you know, my position because my position is not just for me, it's for me to help other people. And it's for me to make sure that teens know they have somebody that cares about them. Yeah, and um, that's that's wonderful. Um, and we just had Johnny come on, uh, one of my friends uh, watching from uh, Africa, and uh, he works in uh, a community of kids there too. He's a teen mentor as well. So this is something that happens all over the world. But you're so correct because um, a lot of the people that I deal with, people will ask me, they're like, why would you deal with such dangerous people? And first of all, I'm like, they're not dangerous people. I mean, yes, they've done dangerous things, but to categorize them as dangerous, bad people or whatever. No, everybody, they, they've got different circumstances that you may not be able to identify with. And once you truly get into their shoes and you walk, uh, not even a mile, if, if you have the courage to walk a day in their shoes, your perspective changes when you put yourself in their position because they couldn't, they, they don't have the ability to make a choice a lot of times other than the ones they've made, because at that moment, it was their best choice that they could come up with in that moment. So it's critical. I agree with you. Um, and I'm glad that you're teaching and helping them slow it down make better decisions and think before they act because my God, if we could get that down pat, like I said, I wouldn't have half the adults in my classes that I have, let alone kids. So uh, that's definitely not easy to do. Um, now with all the kids that you deal with, I know I get close to a lot of people and especially when you're dealing with the kids, has there been somebody that you wanted to reach, but you couldn't quite reach? And, you know, how did you deal with that? Great question, Rhonda. So I'll kind of, I'll say it by, by saying this. So there's a book that, um. so when I first moved here to Indiana, there's a book that the teenagers at that time with the Upper Bound program, so I moved here to Indiana, they all welcomed me to the neighborhood and they wrote a, they wrote a book for me and they just kind of, their oh, thoughts wow. and their opinions about me. I mean, they really didn't have much experience with me at that time but just positive things that they wrote to me. And so I referenced that. So when there's a time when I can't reach a kid now, because that happens a lot, honestly, I was able to reach all these kids. But for the most part, the kids that I deal with now, I may see them every couple of months with the Project Life program. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll see their names on lists. I'll know what their charges are. I know there was some kind of gun related offense that happened, the reason why they got on probation or some other kind of offense, the reason why they got on probation. Um, but outside of that, I don't see them only but one time, you know, more than likely over a three day span. Um, so sometimes it is hard to make those connections. Sometimes, you know, when you when you don't see them again, 
you know that, like you said, you did everything you could at that particular point in time to try to motivate them and to try to get them on the right path. And they, the rest is up to them. So, yeah, there's definitely times that I'll meet kids and I know that there'll be a connection, a built in connection with that kid. Because we all know, you know, when there's a connection. With oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll ask you questions or they'll mm-hmm. come to your office. I mean, they'll they'll just kind of hang around just for no reason. I mean, there's certain things that they'll do. And so, yeah. So when you see that and then you don't see them again, it's like it's kind of a shock value. Because these particular kids that I had that wrote this book for me, I was able to see them pretty much every day in the summer and also the academic year for four years. These oh, wow. are kids, the kids that I have now, probation kids. I see them once yeah. every couple of months. So it's different. So after mm-hmm. I see them, after the program's over, I have to know in every ounce of my being that I've done everything I could to try to put them in the right path. And so once they get off probation, now it's up to you. Right. Right. And um, yeah, that I mean sometimes all we have is one chance, you know, and to get in there and plant a seed. And sometimes we, we may not be around to see the fruits of it or the struggle with it, but at least if, if we take advantage of that time, we pour all that we have, that's all that we can do at that point. Um, but I know it does get hard, especially when you are really rooting for somebody and you see them make yet again, another bad decision in that moment. Um, I've had people that I've lost and that that's never easy, you know? Uh, and I know I've questioned myself, well, did I do everything right? Um, so I was just wondering, like, what do you do to debrief yourself, to keep yourself sane? Because you have your own family, I'm sure. And you've got your own personal life. Like wh- what do you do in the meantime to keep yourself balanced? Because when we deal with so much trauma and that's our specialty, we got to be very careful that we don't have secondary trauma ourselves. So what do you do to keep yourself balanced and, you know, ready to face each day with a fresh perspective? Honestly, that's a great question. And I think, you know, so if we put aside the spoken word piece, I mean, so spoken mm-hmm. word poetry is one of the things that I do. It's one of my hobbies that I love to do. I'm passionate about it. Um, but a lot of times it's just taking a walk mm-hmm. or, or it's just watching TV. It's just turning off TV, turning off electronics and just giving myself time to rest and think, because a lot of times I don't have those spaces of time to be able to do that. Because if it's not if I'm not doing something administrative, if I'm not in a meeting, if I'm not talking with the kid, if I'm not programming, if I'm not doing something for the services around the state, if I'm not thinking of ideas, then it's kind of like you're like, you know what, Lloyd, just go back to being a lawyer. You don't have to be Mr. Garrison. You don't have to be, you know, a director. You can just be yourself watch TV, watch basketball, go back to being you. And so for me, that's my release is when I go back to being me. Awesome. So you get to take that Superman cape off every now and then yep. and uh, be Clark Kent, <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. LG. <laughs> Lloyd Garrison. Uh, that's hard sometimes to take that Superman cape off. It, it really is, you know, because, um, you know, you carry such a heavy mantle when, especially when you deal with kids, you, you carry the weight and the burden of so many. Um, and uh, it is hard to balance that, um, you know, on a day-to-day ba- basis. And um, so I'm glad that you're finding time to carve out for yourself. Now, what would you say to that parent who has a kid that is out of control? They don't know what to do. Um, they can't reach them and, or the kid that feels like they have nobody to turn to. Wow. That's, um, that's a very, very deep question. And I think if I attack the parents first, 
I think um, the big thing with the parents is, I mean, because I'm, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not a parent right now, but thinking about it from their perspective is that they have to know that there's some kind of source out there they can plug into. So I'll say that for one, because they can't do it all. That's one thing. So when the kids are out there, they're making decisions, they can control everything they can control in the house. But when you when they get out there and they get around these influences and they get in these circumstances and these situations, you have to leave it on the kid. The kid has to make the decision at that point. So I would say to plug into as many resources as possible. And there's going to be a lawyer. There's going to be somebody else out there that's going to be your biggest advocate. And I think that's the thing about it is you got to find somebody who's going to be a big advocate for your kid that's going to um, champion the issues that maybe you can't overcome yourself and they'll help you overcome those things. So I, I think it's about plugging into somebody, okay. somebody or something that's going to give you the extra help that you need to get your kid over the hump because you can't do it all. Okay. And to the kid that feels like they have no answers and they may not know how to make a decision or they're not getting the support from their family, how do, how do they reach you or how do they get to your program? What would you say to them? I would say for them, I mean, I think it's really a, and I think that's the thing you, the kids don't want to hear is, is the patience, the, the battle of being patient and then also asking for help. I think that's the biggest thing that I think for, you know, adults struggle with that too, is asking for help and saying, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this area. I struggle with that area. I mean, that could be academically, that can be personally. Mm -hmm. So I think for kids, I would say you got to ask for help mm -hmm. and, and it's okay. It doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you strong when you ask for help. And you have to be open. I think it, it takes a little while because you got to build. I mean, you have to build trust with kids. Any, any of the kids that I've dealt with, it's never been an overnight process. Right. So it's not a light switch. You can just flip on and off. It's, it's something that you have to work at it and you have to be committed to it. And so I, I think when you see that level of commitment to a kid and his progress and being successful, then I think a kid has to kind of just be at a point where he's at least open mm -hmm. to somebody coming to them, meeting them halfway. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. Um, you know, asking for help sometimes is the hardest thing for any of us to do, uh, let alone somebody that is younger that is trying to decide stuff as well. We've got to take uh, our second commercial break. But when we come back, I would like you to read your second poem because uh, I know it's going to fly and we're going to have to wrap up after that. Um, but yeah, you guys, we are listening to Lloyd Garrison and we will be right back. Are you or someone you know accomplishing some amazing things in the community or is just an inspiration to many? Apply to be featured on the cover of Ego Magazine, a bi-monthly digital interactive publication under the Ego Entertainment Network brand. Apply to be featured in other sections such as education, business, media and entertainment, community leader, author of the month or artist of the month. Visit www.egoentertainmentnet.com to apply today. Track Island Beat by Arulo. Indianapolis, we are gearing up to host the first annual Re-Up Experience and Re-Up Awards on August 6, 2022. America's Most Wanted Kingpin turned Grammy-nominated CEO and music executive of BMB Records, Brian Maurice Brown, is the 2022 Trailblazer of the Year at this year's upcoming first annual re-up experience. Talk about a comeback and then re-up. Congratulations. 
To nominate someone for any of the other three categories for the ReUp Awards, visit reupexperience.com. Hey there. If you can hear my voice, this is Pamela, host of Hospital the Tea, here to remind you that Ego Entertainment Network has a lot for your business. Listen, honey, you need to get with it. Ego Entertainment offers various services, media coverage, red carpet services, promo interviews on air. They offer meet and greet services, honey, not to mention other event services. You want to get in gear. Ego Entertainment is empowered, greatness optimized. We're now booking and spots are going fast. Ego serves the United States and all event types, honey. So if you are opening a business, having a store opening, a restaurant opening, and you want some coverage, Ego Entertainment is the way to go. Call or text 317-886-0296 or go to egoentertainmentnet.com. All right, we are back with Lloyd Garrison, author of A Mile in My Shoes. He shared a poem earlier with us as we kicked off the show. And I want to make sure we have enough time to get a second poem in. Uh, is this going to be from your book as well? Uh, yes, yes, it will be. Okay, so give us the background on this, uh, how it came to be. So this particular poem, so this is um, it's kind of when I talked about the uh, Project Life program, there's a, there's a poem that I read to those particular students. Um, this is actually a poem that I, um, I I actually read to them on a consistent basis, I mean, every other uh, session or so. So it's it really comes from just thinking about it from their shoes in, in terms of before you pull the trigger, I want you to think about some things. It's, it's basically me just kind of, if I was just on a bus with a kid. So for instance, if I was on a bus with a kid, I wasn't working with probation kids, what would I say to them? Okay. All right. All right. What's the name of it? Before you pull the trigger. Before you pull the trigger. Okay. So let me uh, read this to you for you guys. Um, okay. So this is before you pull the trigger. Like everyone else in the world, I watch the news from time to time. And maybe I should learn to turn the channel. But no matter what I do, I cannot plug from the reality of the world we live in. A world that reminds me that committing a crime is not limited to daylight savings time. But between me and you, I'm tired of attending funerals of young people who should be working nine to fives in two-story buildings, not being carried off to the final resting place. I'm tired of waiting at stoplights and seeing stuffed animals, cards and balloons and flowers on street corners when I should be receiving more invites to open houses and graduation ceremonies. I'm tired of hearing gunshots in back dark alleys when I should be trying to sleep at night. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'd rather say something to you now than regret saying nothing at all. You can't put bullets back in the chamber once they leave social media beefs someone stepping on your new pair of jays or someone talking to you sideways on the court those are not valid reasons for taking someone's life 
I'll keep it real with you. I'm from Generation X. And I know you're from Generation right now. But back in the day, we didn't need a Smith & Wesson to teach someone a lesson. We let our fists do the talking for us. You win some and you lose some. But you go home at the end of the day. And no, I'm not concerned about whether you rock true religion genes or if you believe in religion at all. It's your character and your morals. Those are the things that will define you and follow you everywhere you go. And before we go our separate ways, I just have a few questions that I want you to consider and answer for me before you pull the trigger. Did you consider that mother? She will cry a waterfall of tears that will never bring her baby back no matter how long she mourns. Did you consider that family? They will never be able to celebrate holidays and special occasions the same way. There are no virtual birthdays in heaven. Did you consider that father? After you pull the trigger, he will be forced to carry the weight of a lost child on his chest forever. I'll give you time to reflect on our chat. Just do me a favor. If you remember nothing else, keep in mind, think before you act. I know you think you're invincible, but there's some decisions in life, some moves that you will make that you can't take back. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you the truth. Think before you act, before you pull that trigger. Wow, that's another powerful one. Um, man, uh, thank you for that too. How do kids respond to that when you read that to them? Um, they seem to be very receptive. Like I said, I think um, some of the kids, they don't understand necessarily the spoken word, but I think it resonates because mm -hmm. we're talking about Jays. I mean, that's stuff that they can talk about. We're talking about on the court. I mean, these are all things that I was thinking about when I was their age. I mean, how do I respond when I get upset, you know, when I get emotional in that moment? And and a lot of times, like you said, you said earlier, they're not thinking about just, just fist fighting. That's what we were thinking about. That's why I said we're from generation. I'm from Generation X. Mm -hmm. I'm 42. So it's one of those things where it was nothing for me to just say, well, let's just go outside. Mm -hmm. Now it's more so let me go in my trunk or let me go in my house. Right. The stakes right. Are, are, are risen to a different level now. And yeah. so it's really getting them to think. You know, before you pull the trigger, just think about it. These are all kids that are on probation. So you got to think about it. Mm -hmm. They all are in the same room. They're in this Project Life class for a reason. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, they they are responding to their environment. They're responding to what they've been taught, what they've learned. A lot of things are a learned behavior. Um, not everything is because, you know, they have choice as well. But I want to bring up, this is going to be controversial, but that's okay. As parents, you know, we are supposed to be the image for our kids. We're supposed to be the example. But yet, <laughs> you can turn on the TV and watch a live award show, and you see <laughs> Will come up there, most respected actor and in two seconds how then do you tell a kid not to do that and go to social media when he was on the biggest platform there was you know whether it was right whether it was wrong i'm not getting into that but just that example because i think that's where kids are getting confused it's like do as i say not as i do right 
So like, what do we say to those kids when we're not given the example that they need? Um, because how are they going to know if they have nobody to show them? You know what I'm saying? And that's that's a really tough that's a tough situation. I mean, just like you said with Will Smith and that whole situation that happened, and you know it doesn't really matter the circumstances at that point. It's just really about the actions that took place. Right. So we're telling them to do the exact opposite of what happened, right. and they see it right there live on TV. And so right. telling, I'm telling them in the book. I'm saying, okay, don't go out there, don't go on the court and do X, Y, Z and respond that way. But then we're seeing examples on the news of people doing that exact same thing. Yeah. So it's difficult to tell them to do something that's opposite, polar opposite of what they're used to or what they're seeing. Right. Um, I just think it really comes down to knowing that somebody has an extra layer of support for them, that mm -hmm. they care about them, and these are the consequences. So if you make this decision, right. I'm not saying this is right. This is not the right choice to make. But I'm saying if you make that choice, there's consequences that follow mm -hmm. that choice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of times um, we're not taught. I know myself. I wasn't taught specifically how to make decisions. I wasn't taught about consequences. So I made a lot of bad decisions because I had I didn't really have an example. Um, and it's a skill that we need to teach our kids because you can't expect school to teach them. Um, and if you're not teaching them at home, then they're they're going to get it in the street by any means necessary. So, you know. And it's like, whose responsibility is it? You know, the, the parents, it is their responsibility, of course, to put stuff, good stuff in their kids. But then if they come from a background where they don't even know how to do stuff, they're not equipped to do it. And so the kid is just repeating what they've learned, what's been uh, their example in their own household. Um, or if they're having to go to school and fight and do all this other stuff. I mean, it, it, it's all around them. So, you know, for that kid that is getting totally surrounded, what would you say to that kid to still stand up and to still try to find a good way to make a good decision? You know, what would you say to him? Where would he find his hope from? That's a great question. And I think when I look back at just even some of the responses that some of the kids, like just period, the ones that I've come across, even though I don't see them very often, they'll just tell me, they'll say, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with that generation of kids that don't feel like they have a choice. And so what you can do in that scenario is I just try to find a way to give them a voice because they don't feel like people shut them out, that they don't hear them, what they're saying, like their concerns. They don't want to hear anything they have to say. And so it's giving them a voice and then showing them why making the right choice is the right move to make. Because yeah. I think if they don't have a, a why to it, then the, this generation is just not going to listen. They're going to tune you out. They're going to yeah. say, well, you don't even know what I'm going through. I agree with you 100 percent. You know, we can't tell them to do this and not give them the why and then not give them the means to do it. Then you're, you're crippling them, you know, and, and, you know, you can't be that type of parent that's like, well, hey, you know, I made it OK. Nobody showed me. No, that's like the most selfish position you can come from. You know, you want you should want better for your kids. You should want to equip them better than you were equipped and, you know, give them some tools, because right now, it really is life or death out there. It is not the same as when we were coming up. So your kid may not have a second chance. Your kid may not have somebody who's willing to listen and they're going to have to make a decision in that split second. You know, just like you said, are they going to pull the trigger or are they not? You know, 
Um, and you're never going to understand that unless you walk in their shoes, just like you said. So I'm um, like, this, this is a powerful conversation and uh, one I know we could keep going on and on. I cannot believe we're at the, the end here to wind down. But um, real, uh, again, how do people uh, contact you on social media? Um, so I'm under Lloyd Garrison uh, for Facebook, Instagram. I'm a Fit Soldier 97. That's my graduation year from high school. But Fit Soldier 97 for uh, Instagram. And then, of course, uh, www.hiddengemsbylg.com uh, is my business address for my spoken word pieces. Um, you can actually sample some pieces. You don't have to just purchase the book. You can sample some pieces to see if you like some things that I'm writing. And then you can also purchase the book as well, too. Or you can just, like I said, send me a quick message. Say, hey, what's going on? Um, I heard you on the radio. And we can chat that way, too. So it's not about just purchasing. I want you to be able to know you got a connection. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lloyd, for coming tonight and sharing with us. And uh, everybody who's listening, please share this because this is a much needed message. I mean, and just even his poetry, just get it out there because it's going to it's going to touch somebody and, and uh, save somebody's life. Um, so the rest of the month, I've got additional people coming on, kings that are coming on. Wait till you see who's coming. I cannot wait. And I want to tell you also, I've got my first event coming up that we're going to have the flyer up next week on the show as well. But if you're in the Atlanta area, come to my beautiful ladies tea party and we'll have more information on that next week. But everybody, please share this comment, follow, like, support this brother. He's doing good things in the neighborhood, especially if you are in Indianapolis or, you know, pay, pay the brother's ticket. Get him out to your city and help him change your community as well. Thank you, Lloyd, for you. being my guest and, you know, Everybody watching Me Power with Rhonda, remember, everything you need is already inside of you. Have a great night. Thank you so Thank much you so for much, watching. Man, I appreciate it. Bye.